for nearly two decades. The award-winning Your Financial Editor Program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor Program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And also, uh, you can listen to the program as a podcast on iTunes. And finally, if you haven't done it yet, download the free WFMD app uh, to your smart device, and that way you can listen to the program um, whenever you'd like or re-listen to it or share it with someone, perhaps. I am Chris Murray, your host. Uh, thanks so much for being with us today. Hope your weekend's going well. Happy Father's Day weekend to all the dads and granddads out there. Um, and uh, we have a good program for you. It's, it's actually a repeat, uh, or retry, I should say, because uh, last week we had some technical difficulties with the uh, phones. Hopefully that won't be the case today. And we'll be talking with my guest, Dr. Jonathan Newman. He's a professor uh, down at Bryan College in Tennessee. He's also uh, part of the uh, Mises Institute. He wrote a really good piece we're going to talk about titled, How Monetary Expansion Creates Income and Wealth Inequality. So what we see these central banks doing, not just here with the Federal Reserve, but around the world, um, the the impact that it has, that you probably haven't or may not have thought about uh, to this point. So we'll be talking uh, with Jonathan in uh, just a little bit. Um, some interesting top stories and also an interesting deal this week. Uh, obviously, there was more than one. One that caught my eye, Britain's GlaxoSmithKline has agreed to pay up to $2 billion to ITOS Therapeutics to develop and sell a potential cancer treatment. They're going to do this together. Together, Excuse me. This is a great partnership um, that's in the making, I think. Uh, ITOS is based up in Boston, and they're going to receive $625 million in upfront money, and then they're eligible to get up to $1.45 billion more if the program meets certain development and commercial milestones. So this uh, ITOS deal is to develop what's known as EOS-448, um, and it's an antibody that acts as an anti-ticket uh, agent, which showed promise in early studies. So these anti-ticket treatments are new experimental uh, immunotherapies against certain cancer types and these treatment treatments uh including what roche has and what merck has are designed to deactivate a tumor's ability to eva uh, evade the immune system so uh GlaxoSmithKline, their chief scientific officer said that immuno oncology had transformed cancer care so uh, not only was this a big deal in the financial markets but again, down the road for people that are going to be struggling with certain types of uh, of illnesses and diseases, just a lot of progress is being made uh, to help those folks. So instead of it being something of like it used to be, uh, maybe it's going to become more manageable, like we've seen uh, in the past with um, you know many of these new treatments and breakthroughs. So really good news there, and also. Interesting to see this week um, down, you know, not too far down the road, Baltimore 
uh, as far as financial uh, stories go, made the uh, the national stage this week. And I'm sure you were f- probably saw or read or heard about uh, more than three dozen businesses in Baltimore's Fells Point area are threatening to withhold their tax and permit payments amid what they called chaos and lawlessness uh, that they said has been going on for too long. So this is great. Uh, It's a coalition of about 37 businesses. They sent a a letter to the mayor, council president, the police commissioner, state's attorney, um, complaining about illegal drug sales, public drinking, poor trash pickup, um, and many, many other problems. And the letter states that they're just fed up and they're frustrated, and they now realize that nothing will change unless they demand action. And this came, this letter followed, of course, uh, back on June the 6th when three people were shot uh, down in Fells Point. You know, it used to be safe. Now it's like so so many of these other um, Democratic-run cities, it just goes down the toilet. I mean, literally, uh, you used to have just a wonderful, vibrant city and now, you know, it, people are uncomfortable going to an Orioles game because of the walk. Uh, so, and that's not even saying anything about getting down around the Inner Harbor or, again, out in some of these areas like Fells Point and Little Italy that used to be super, super safe and just thriving and uh, was uh, just a, a real, real treat to go down there. Now people, you know, they don't even want to chance it. So the letter uh, describes how brazen offenders are just scaring off potential customers. Again, you know, who wants to go down there when you have a bunch of idiots uh, looking for violence and theft and um, and whatever else, you know, they, they want to get into? But it's just such a shame. Again, the drug dealing, prostitution, uh, illegal alcohol sales, uh, as I mentioned, the violence. It's uh, it's just really, really a shame. And uh, you look at the leaders down there. You can't even use that word for these cities anymore. They're they're just the opposite. Um, you know, they're they're not leaders. Uh, I don't know what they consider themselves or what they try to pride themselves on. But um, they're just following this um, again, these these city doctrines now that are out there. You see, unfortunately, uh, and this is no laughing matter, police uh, morality is just down in the ditch. Um, so it's really a shame that you have these terrible um, elected and appointed people that are just driving these uh, areas literally into the dirt. It, it's really a shame. Um, inflation expectations for the next year climbed for a seventh straight month in May to a record high. That was according to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. The median one year ahead inflation expectations uh, last month rose six tenths of one percent. Um, it's the uh, to four percent for uh, for the next 12 months. That's the highest since the New York Fed survey of consumer expectations began. And also inflation expectations for the next three years climbed from three point one to three point six percent. So here we go. Transitory. Right. This word that they use. And look, just look it up. I mean, if you look up the word transitory, short time, brief period, you know, that type of, of thing. Here you have people saying that their inflation expectations for the next three years climbed from 3.1% to 
to two or excuse me to three point six percent. So um, and what was really odd, respondents over 60 years of age and those earning a high school degree or less were the most concerned about future inflation. So you, I, I was really trying to figure out why that is. Um, maybe if they didn't have a, a good education, they maybe don't have a, um, a, the best job. Um, and of course, when food and gas and material prices are inflated, like we see happening now, it's been happening, you know, they're impacted directly, just like, um, folks on fixed income. So, uh, the Fed saying, yeah, this is, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, and the, you know, again, the administration's not even acknowledging it because they don't even think they know what it means, uh, or care that it's impacting, again, poor people and those on fixed income the most who supposedly they're champions for, which is a lie. Um, so yeah, it was, it, this was, um, the internet based survey consists of a rotating panel of about 1300 household heads. Uh, who participate for uh, up to a year. So, um, again, they're they're worried about inflation because inflation is real, even though people are saying it isn't. Oil prices actually climbed to their highest level in more than two years this week. So, um, you know, you saw West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil, which is the U.S. benchmark, climb uh, to uh, $71.62 a barrel. This was on Monday when I made a note. And then Brent crude, the international standard, was up uh, to 73.36 a barrel. And the International Energy Agency has been urging OPEC and those others, uh, non-OPEC producing countries, to increase production to pre-virus levels at a faster pace than what they're planning on. But again, you know, they want to make more money. And because of our idiotic energy uh, stance and what's been done with the XL pipeline and certain leases and, and drilling opportunities. Um, you're just seeing this, this energy go up, up, up. And that's uh, unfortunate again to all of us, right? But especially just think if you're a single mom or, um, you know, if you don't have a very good job, but yet you have to get to it and it's costing you a lot more money to gas up your car or truck. Um, or if you're fixed income, again, you just, you know, it, it's tough out there. And everybody except, again, the administration um, is starting to acknowledge it. Uh, J.P. Morgan, their CEO, Jamie Dimon, said that his bank is in good shape to handle what is likely to be higher inflation. And also I saw this week that the CEO of Kraft Heinz, said that the food and beverage giant is studying whether it will increase its prices because of inflation. And the CEO said that he hasn't, that or the company hasn't done that yet, increased uh, increase prices to consumers. Um, and he doesn't know if they'll have to in, increase prices or not. They don't know that yet, but they're studying and building scenarios uh, based on the subject. It's real. I mean, people are paying more money. It's it's an inflationary uh, type of atmosphere, and they just want to print and spend trillions and trillions of and trillions of more money. 
Um, and that's just going to make things worse, especially when it's not necessary. It's just, uh, again, these uh, pet uh, projects um, and narratives that they're kind of um, trying to to accommodate, if you will. And then Janet Yellen, you know, she made the case for Congress to approve Biden's massive six trillion dollar budget. Why? Well, she's warning the uh, the U.S. economy faced a series of long term structural challenges that hindered Americans ability to make a good living. And what are these destructive forces? Well, according to her, the divergence in wages and of geographic regions, the decline in labor force participation, the rise of climate change and the persistence of racial inequality. And all these are combining to block tens of millions of Americans from prosperous parts of our economy. She is not good. I mean, she was bad when she was uh, at the Federal Reserve and just a uh, what I had always said, a, a lapdog for Obama when she was there. Now, as a Treasury secretary, she they're just pushing, pushing all of the chips to the middle of the table. They're all in on this garbage. And it's very, very deceiving, um, and it's an embarrassment when, you know, folks like we try to do pay attention to what truth is um, and independence and, you know, the the dignity of of how to properly run a country and, and work and what a real strong economy is, organic growth, not all this fake stimulus garbage or wanting to – reward people for not working so she she and and many others have just gotten much much worse um this time around from where they were when they were in uh the obama administration and that's really who all the people are behind the scenes um i mean i think it's obvious you can look and see that biden all he's doing is reading teleprompters or the uh note cards in his hand uh, and that's about it. Other than that, I think he's kind of punting and saying, uh, just tell me where to be and what to say and really doesn't know what's truly going on. Uh, the latest complimentary takeaway for you. Will your money last as long as you do? Boy, is that an important question? Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. Uh, it's right on the homepage there. You can click it and uh, get an instant uh, download to your email. Will your money last? as long as you do, and uh, we'll be right back. Frederick is excited to continue the 2021 Summer Concert Series this Sunday, 7 to 8.30 p.m. at the Baker Park Band Shell. This week's show is Among the Stars, a tribute band featuring tunes ranging from Tom Petty, Stevie Nicks, Carlos Santana, ZZ Top, Janis Joplin, Pearl Jam, Pink, and more. All shows are free to the public. In lieu of admission, bring a canned food donation to benefit the Frederick Food Bank. And don't forget cash for the weekly 50-50 raffle. For more information, visit CelebrateFrederick.com. 
The biggest furniture event in area history held over this week. The massive warehouse furniture sell-off at Regency. Tons of furniture has been trucked in from the warehouse to the Regency showrooms. And now everything is offered at huge discounts and drastic markdowns. Find Regency living room, dining room, bedroom furniture and mattresses. All at extreme deep warehouse price cuts. Hurry, all must go. Once it's gone, it's gone forever. The massive warehouse furniture sell-off held over this week at Regency Furniture in Frederick and Hagerstown. Maryland. Who would have thought you could listen to us on your mobile device? Well, now you can. A service of Dave's Cooling and Heating. Just download our app to your phone for 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. You can go to iTunes and check it out as a podcast and also download the uh, free WFMD app to your smart device. So as far as economic data, kind of um, continuing a little bit of what we were talking about a couple minutes ago, uh, the producer price index uh, last month increased at a 6.6% annual rate, according to the Labor Department. That annual reading for May was the hottest since record-keeping began. That's a record, and they're saying that there is no inflation. Beef, veal, diesel fuel, gasoline, hay, Oil seeds, motor vehicles, all saw increases. And the core prices, which exclude food and energy, I don't know why, um, clocking in at 4.8% annually. So there's another report. Of course, I followed the report last week from the Consumer Price Index. And we also saw that the retail uh, sales report showed us uh, it's a sales drop in May of 1.3% compared to April. So people are trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. Supposedly, you've got all this pent-up demand. You've got all this free money that's been sent out, but yet retail and the economy opening up, which it should have uh, opened up months and months and months ago. Um, And, uh, you know, you see a drop in retail sales, especially for this time of the year. So um, that was uh, interesting to see. The National Association of Home Builders, their housing market index, um, which is it's you know it's a level of kind of current and um, home builder confidence and what we might expect to see coming down the road. Um, it's a decent number, it dropped just a little bit from eighty three to eighty one. So. Um, you know, again, these home builders, they've got a lot they're dealing with out there with um, various bottlenecks and transportation issues and material shortages and whatnot. Um, but 
it, it, I don't think it was a big surprise to see that, um, you know, drop just a couple points because of that. Now, when we looked at housing starts for the uh, uh, last month, they actually were up 3.6%. Uh, the data for April was revised lower, so you don't like to see that. But, again, um, that 3.6% in May was good. Permits for future home building actually fell 3%. In May. So that's something to keep an eye on because, again, that's what's in the pipeline and what we can expect to uh, come our way a little further uh, down the road. Um, also, what we saw on Thursday, the number of Americans filing new jobless claims increased. So you had uh, economists were looking for 359,000 applications. We got 412,000 applications according to the Labor Department. So actually, they were going up instead of down for the first time since late April. That's not what you want to see. Before the virus made its way here from China, we were looking at around 220,000 on average as far as initial weekly jobless claims because of uh, the ebb and flow of employment. Of course, you had record low numbers of unemployment uh, in many, many categories. Uh, and then the virus came and, and just um, turned everybody upside down. But you don't want to see this number going up. It should be going down if things are as good as everybody's saying. Uh, but yet we had 412,000 uh, applications uh, last week. Again, no big surprise. A big part of that, people were blaming it on that um, unemployment plus the extra 300 bucks a week. Um and then everybody starts doing the math and realizes, wow, you know, people are making much more on an hourly basis by not working than if they were at work. So uh, that's just shameful. And I uh, really commend the 25 um, Republican governors who have uh, are going to end this earlier. And actually, there was I forget. Was it Louisiana? Maybe that Democratic governor, if I'm remembering right. Um, I don't know that governor, but I thought I remembered seeing something about finally a uh, Democrat you know, coming late to the party. But at least they're coming um, to try to get people back to work. And then the other thing we saw, um, the Federal Reserve had a two day meeting this week, and they said that they're going to leave interest rates at zero. They're going to continue to spend um, $120 billion every single month uh, in their quantitative easing to try to uh, prop up the economy. And maybe they'll raise interest rates by uh, 2023. So they said in their when I was looking at their post-meeting statement, they, uh, they're committed to maintaining support for the economy until inflation has risen to 2% and is on track to moderately exceed 2% for some time. I mean, do they not look at numbers? I just, I've been throwing at 3%, 4%, 6%. What are they, uh, what are they looking at? And it's because they want to make sure that the labor markets have reached levels consistent with the committee's assessment of maximum employment. Well, guess what? If things heat up too much and the inflation causes a recession, how do you think you're going to do with maximum employment at that point? I mean, this is just, again, I don't know if Jerome Powell is just trying to keep his job, which he's not going to be reappointed by Biden. 
um, there's others in uh, the Obama and Clinton uh, lineage that are going to get that job. So I don't know what he's doing. He should at least stand strong and start doing the right thing with interest rates now and tapering that $120 billion uh, every month so that he goes out with a decent uh, legacy that, you know, again, he was doing the right thing. Uh, go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. Latest uh, takeaway for you there. Will your money last as long as you do? Why retirement income analysis matters for your future. When we come back, we'll be talking with my guest, uh, Dr. Jonathan Newman, about monetary policy and uh, what it does, the downside of it, not just here in the United States, but abroad. This is 930 WFMD and WFMD.com. Now. WFMD News. The Frederick County Sheriff's Office is warning residents about a new phone scam. Spokesman Todd Weibel. So that person is calling. It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com as a podcast at iTunes. And also, if you'd like, you can download the free WFMD app to your smart device and literally have uh, all of the uh, station's uh, content right at your fingertips. So uh, I encourage you to do that if you haven't done that already. And uh, as I mentioned uh, right before the news break, we're going to be jumping into uh, the discussion with my guest this morning, uh, Dr. Jonathan Newman. And uh, Jonathan wrote a piece that I saw a while ago for the Mises Institute, and uh, that's the, the kind of the basis for us uh, chatting today. And I'll let you know how to get that uh, article in just a little bit. But uh, he's an assistant professor of economics and finance at Bryan College and an associated uh, scholar of the Mises Institute. And uh, he actually earned his Ph.D. at Auburn University while a research fellow at the Mises Institute. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thanks a lot. I appreciate you taking time. You Last week I had a train wreck with uh, all kinds of technical difficulties. So, again, you taking time out of your weekend is very much appreciated. And um, I guess we'll start with uh, just some, some basics. Kind of give our listeners uh, a background, some information about the Mises Institute. So the Mises Institute is the world's foremost institute for Austrian economics and libertarian political ideas. Um, they've really specialized in bringing the ideas of economists like Ludwig von Mises, Murray Rothbard, Karl Menger, those guys, uh, 
to the masses. They, everything that they publish is available um, online for free. Um, of course, you can buy physical books as well. Um, but it's really just a great organization that and their goal, their mission is to teach people about Austrian economics. Austrian economics is a, a, a school of thought in economics that uh, does economics in a more uh, qualitative sort of way, in a more logical, deductive sort of way, as opposed to high-powered math and, you know, the, the papers that look more like physics papers as opposed to economics papers. So it's really economics for real people. It's about real cause and effect. And in my opinion, the Austrian economists have done the best at predicting what's going to happen and explaining what has happened um, in the United States and really um, the world over the over the past you know, hundreds and thousands of years because they have they have a real causal realist explanation of economic growth, business cycles, the problems of socialism and things like that. So Austrian economics, that was going to be my follow up question. You just said hundreds and thousands of years. It literally goes back that far. Well, uh, Austrian economics in particular uh, goes back to the 1800s. Um, Austrian economics proper, I would say, starting with Karl Menger in the 1870s. Uh, when I said hundreds and thousands of years, I was I was mainly just thinking about how how Austrian economists explain the way the economy grows through capital accumulation and through technological innovation and things like that. Which means that we so we have sort of a description, have an explanation for how we wound up at our current standards of living, which are extremely high, uh, historically speaking, relatively speaking, um, and it's all it's all because of saving, capital accumulation, technological innovation, and markets working. Right. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. So, uh, I want to jump in in a moment um, and talk about the article that you penned that I saw that I referenced earlier, uh, titled "How Monetary Expansion Creates Income and Wealth Inequality." Um, but before that, I just kind of would like to get your your personal take on inflation. You know, there's a lot of talk about inflation. Earlier in the program today, I was uh, referencing the PPI and, you know, some other uh, – the Federal Reserve Bank of uh, New York released uh, their survey. And these numbers are extremely hot. And, uh, you know, we're also being told certain things like transitory and – kind of talk to like we're dumb people, but uh, what's your take on inflation right now? So I, I view inflate, the way I, I try to introduce inflation to people who are sort of new to economics is that inflation is like a hungry, hungry hippos game, but the central bank and the federal government have a gas-powered lever-smashing machine, and then they pass it on to the person who's playing next to them. So inflation, monetary inflation, doesn't increase the total amount of resources in the economy. It doesn't make us more productive. If you think about it, just adding new green pieces of paper, doesn't, it doesn't make a factory more productive. It doesn't make an economy grow. What makes an economy grow is new productivity, new technologies, and those sorts of things. So it's, it's a total fallacy to think that we can just – make new pieces of paper and somehow stimulate growth or cause economic growth that way. What really happens when we increase the amount of money in the economy is we cause prices to increase. And we definitely are seeing some of that um, now. Uh, a lot of the year-over-year -year changes that we're seeing uh, might be a little more exaggerated than what we're used to seeing simply because there was a lot of uncertainty this time last year. And so some prices were lower than usual this time last year. But they're higher than usual this time 
right now, which is giving us some of those uh, those high year-over-year um, price inflation figures. But even even with that said, the Federal Reserve, the central bank of the United States, has been increasing the, uh, the money supply by the trillions, really unprecedented uh, increases in the money supply. And we know for a fact that prices are going to be higher than they otherwise would have been without that big monetary increase. Yeah, and uh, we talk about that often on the program. And um, it, I think one thing that I always try to remember to stress is that, uh, in my view, the people that are hurt the most are uh, poor people, lower-income people, and folks on fixed income. Because, again, if you're trying to get to your job, it's not a, a, a question if you're going to put fuel in your vehicle. And when you see these prices going up or, again, you have to eat to remain uh, healthy and sustain yourself, and we see food prices going up. And, again, for those folks that are at the, uh, you know, maybe a rough part of life or a single mom or someone on fixed income, they seem to be punished uh, when all this stuff is happening. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So when the when the money supply is increased, it comes into the economy through a specific point. It, there's never, ever a case where the, the Federal Reserve increases the money supply and everybody's incomes increase proportionally. All prices increase proportionally. That never, ever happens. So what, what happens, in, in fact, is the Federal Reserve increases the money supply, and it, and it comes through financial markets. It comes through credit markets which means some people get their hands on the new money first. They see their incomes rise first before everybody else sees their incomes rise. And so those people get the new money. They're allowed to increase their demands for goods and services, which increases the prices of those goods and services. And the money, and then the money trades hands. It goes on to maybe a second group of people who, who then have an increase in their incomes. And then some more prices increase as a result of that. So as the money is sort of rippling through the economy, what happens is people's incomes rise in phases. And there are some people at the end of the chain whose incomes rise last or maybe, as you said, never at all because they're on fixed income. And they have to pay all of those higher prices before everybody else. So there, there's this giant redistribution from poor people, from people on fixed incomes, from people with little assets, relatively little assets. Um, there's a there's a redistribution of, of real resources in the economy away from the people at the end of the chain and towards the people at the beginning of the chain, uh, simply because of the of the unevenness of the way money enters the economy. Yep, exactly. Uh, my guest this morning, Dr. Jonathan Newman. He's a professor of economics and finance at Bryan College, and he uh, is also an associated uh, scholar of the Mises Institute. He earned his Ph.D. at Auburn University while a research fellow at the Mises Institute. So let's uh, talk uh, about your article titled How Monetary Expansion Creates Income and Wealth Inequality, like you were just touching on. Um, kind of, again, it's it's not just our central bank. It's uh, banks around the world that participate in this type of activity, right? Right. It's it's is really in any sort of system where we have fiat paper money and a central banking system, which is that's just about everywhere in the world today. 
So in the past, we had a gold standard. We uh, we had different different sorts of monetary regimes that weren't fiat. They weren't. It's, it's not money that's issued by order or decree from the government. And it's we have a lot of paper notes now. And what that what that means is that in the past there was this constraint. There was a constraint on what banks could do, on what governments could do, on what central banks could do even when we had a gold standard, for example. And that constraint is simply the physical stock, the physical supply of gold. So you can't you can't just, you know, put gold into a duplicator and make more gold, but you can do that with paper. You can add zeros to pieces of paper. You can add more paper money. In our current regime with digital money everywhere, digital dollars everywhere, you can simply add money to people's digital bank accounts. And so in that case, you don't even have to run a printing press. And so that gives an allowance to central banks here in the U.S. and around the world to really print as much money as they want. And we do see in the data there's there's been a shift in a lot of the a lot of the figures. You see inflation changing course. You see inequality changing course. You see all manufacturing in the U.S., all, all these different numbers have a shift in trajectory around 1971, and it just so happens that in 1971, the U.S. went off the gold standard completely. And so it, the fact that central banks around the world, and the U.S. central bank in particular, is now unrestrained has meant really a whole new ball game in terms of how governments raise money and, and what the macroeconomic consequences are. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we were talking earlier in the program about this uh, latest two-day Federal Reserve meeting. They're going to keep interest rates at zero. They're going to continue to spend $120 billion every month in the uh, bond markets and um, just totally uh, blow out their uh, their balance sheet. Um, so uh, we'll – and actually, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll ask uh, my guest, uh, Dr. Jonathan Newman – um, uh, I think something that a lot of people are interested in, that's uh, cryptocurrencies. So we'll get his uh, his input on that. Also, we'll tell you how to get the article uh, that uh, Jonathan wrote that we've been referencing. Um, I'll tell you uh, where to go to the website and grab that uh, and a lot of other really good stuff. Uh, and like Jonathan said earlier, it's free. Dr. Michelle Ware. I'm the owner of Premier Dental Arts here in Frederick. We have a program called the Premier Advantage, and it's for our patients who don't have insurance, and it really kind of gives them a bit of a discount on the work that we do. Call 301-662-0222 or check them out on the web at pdadental.net. The massive warehouse furniture sell-off at Regency Furniture held over. More merchandise has been trucked in from the warehouse to the Regency showrooms. Everything is offered at extreme price cuts and drastic markdowns this final week at Regency Furniture in Frederick in Hagerstown, Maryland. Don't forget, just in case someone asks, am I on to something here? You're listening to 930 WFMD.
Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com as a podcast on iTunes. And also, uh, just in case you haven't done it already, remember to download your free WFMD app to your smart device uh, and you can have it uh, right at your fingertips. And um, I was... Uh, Mentioning right before the break, as we uh, uh, wrap up our conversation with our guest this morning, uh, Dr. Jonathan Newman, who is a uh, professor of economics and and finance at Bryan College. That's down in Tennessee and also an associated scholar of the Mises Institute. Um, he uh, basically has really been giving us a lot of good information um, Jonathan got his B.A. at Sanford University, his uh, M.S. and Ph.D. both at Auburn University, and has really been uh, involved at uh, Mises. Um, so, Jonathan, I was talking right before the break. What's your take on cryptocurrency because of all the other runaway printing of money? I think cryptocurrencies are definitely a, a revolution um, in terms of the way we think about money um, and the way we think about fiat money in particular. And the reason why is because the cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin in particular, they, they really put the power in the hands of the person who's holding it, much like the, the old gold standard. So if you had a gold coin, it was yours. You owned it. You could, you could put it in a safe at home. You could, you could spend it how you wanted to. Um, there were, it, at certain times, you could deposit it in banks, and then you could write checks on it, um, it, or maybe the banks would give you a bank note, and those bank notes would be redeemable for gold. But the point is that the power, the power was in the hands of the person who owned the gold. That's not really the case with, with fiat monies. With fiat monies, the, the power ultimately uh, is in the hands of the federal government and the central bank. Since they have this ability to just create as much of it as they want to, they have uh, lots of regulations on the banking system. We have fractional reserve banking, which, which is inherently unstable. Um, and, and so we have all of these crises. We have business cycle after business cycle, and our dollars are, are losing their purchasing power. So cryptocurrencies are, are, are a total revolution in that we're, we're able to design a, a monetary standard that's for the, for the modern age, for, for the age that we're in, where everybody's connected by the internet in such a way that the really the, the the ownership of the money and and the way it's used and the way it's operated is controlled by it's decentralized it's controlled by the people who who own the currency yeah yeah excellent uh, i couldn't agree with you more it, it did remind me as it's been evolving over the last uh five to six years in particular kind of that tie-in with the way it used to be with the gold standard. So I, I, I find that really interesting myself, although I, it still seems to be the wild, wild west and, you know, kind of hard to get your uh, your arms around all that goes along with cryptocurrency. But I guess that'll clear up more and more with blockchain uh, and, and other types of, um, I guess, I don't want to say oversight because that's not what I mean, but just, you know, where more clarity is presented about cryptocurrency in general. I'm optimistic about that as well. I think that uh, as we sort of uh, settle into to how things work and, and how cryptocurrencies work and more people learn about it and more people innovate and come up with technologies that, uh, that are, are collaborative or, or that are uh, complementary to what Bitcoin is and, and what it can do, um, I imagine that it, it, 
it will it will be it will be standardized. It will, there will be uh, less uncertainty, and it'll be a much better option for people to hold on to as opposed to. Uh, fiat paper money. Yeah, I agree. So uh, one thing I mentioned, folks, uh, the article that Jonathan uh, wrote, How Monetary Expansion Creates Income and Wealth Inequality, uh, go to Mises, M-I-S-E-S dot O-R-G, and then just search uh, Jonathan Newman. There's a ton of stuff that uh, Jonathan has penned, and it's all right there, and it's all free. Um, and it's it's very very enlightening. And the other thing I would encourage you to do, I, I've done, I did this years ago, is uh, Mises has a free uh, daily email where they provide information to you. Um, and again, with all the craziness going on with the talking heads, the pundits, you know, wanting to scare you and just trying to keep you tuned into their cable channel or radio station or whatever it might be. It really, uh, the material that Mises puts out um, helps you to understand things in a very down-to-earth way, so it's not as complicated. Um, Jonathan, so again, M-I-S-E-S dot O-R-G, and uh, you can get all that for free. Uh, Jonathan, as we wrap up, I always like, when I have professors on, I always like to ask them, um, what it's like in their classroom these days. You know, we have um, a bunch of sissies, in my opinion, um, that, you know, go to college and need to be coddled and um, maybe have some incorrect, um, uh, you know, um, kind of their outlook might not be what real world is. Um, how do you feel about your students and, and are you encouraged about uh, those that you get to teach? I am encouraged. I'm really in a in a very special sort of situation here at Bryan College. Uh, so it's a private, small, very small Christian liberal arts college, um, and so it's a it's a small faculty. And since it's a small faculty, I sort of I have uh, a lot of say in the curriculum and how the economics courses in particular are taught. But I do have to say that a lot of my colleagues here at Bryan are like minded. They're sort of uh, uh, skeptical of government involvement, the, they they just sort of have a, a similar uh, view as as my own, <clears throat> and so I would encourage somebody who's thinking about going to college, or maybe parents who have uh, high schoolers who are thinking about going to college, I, I recommend that you just do some research and investigate uh, the, the faculty at a prospective school and make sure they're not, you know, like you said, spewing a bunch of nonsense. Um, but that they're actually teaching economics as it was, you know, as it has been developed over the hundreds of years that economics has, has developed, and it's not infused with a bunch of, you know, woke ideology and and guilt and and all of this other sort of nonsense, for lack of a better term. So I, I'm optimistic about certain schools in the U.S. Obviously, uh, the majority of schools in the U.S. Um, they're sort of uh, we could call it a loss maybe, but there are still schools that, that have great faculty that are teaching good, sound economics, um, and, and students are getting a great education there. Yeah. sitting at my own school, Bryan College. Yeah, amen. I couldn't agree with you more. And, uh, folks, if you are interested, you can check out Bryan College. It's B-R-Y-A-N College down in uh, Dayton, Tennessee, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, okay. And, um you, you can check out that school and, like uh, Jonathan said, do your homework um, because some of these schools, and I know just as a dad with, um, you know, college kids, uh, it's it's scary, some of the stuff that's being uh, taught. Um, and if you're 
if your children and grandchildren aren't strong um, ethically and morally and spiritually, um, they're going to have some serious headwinds to get through. Um, so, all right, Jonathan, thank you so much, especially after I messed things up last weekend. Um, I really appreciate you taking time to join us. I'm going to keep an eye out for your future writings and then get back with you at a later date. And if your schedule permits, I'd love to talk with you again. That would be great. Thanks for having me. Okay, Jonathan, you have a great rest of the weekend. And again, folks, you can go to Mises, M-I-S-E-S dot O-R-G and read uh, Dr. Jonathan Newman's uh, piece, How Monetary Expansion Creates Income and Wealth Inequality. It's only like five pages long. It's an easy read. And you know what's hilarious, and I should have, um, I I forgot, um, I should have said something to Jonathan. They actually have a picture of of $100 trillion uh, banknote from Zimbabwe. So like Jonathan was saying, you can put as many zeros as you want, behind it but when you have uh, crazy inflation um your money's not worth anything so uh you can check that stuff out and then uh, the latest um complimentary takeaway for you will your money last as long as you do uh go to murrayfinancialgroup.com and uh, it's right on the home page and uh it's it's that's an important question that all of us need to ask and and look into um because if you aren't really sure about that, you could end up having just the opposite type of um, retirement than what you desire, what you deserve. So uh, I will be back here next Saturday for another edition of the Your Financial Editor program, and I will be talking with Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick uh, Monday through Friday, as I always do in the mornings at 550, 6.50, We have those live business updates and talk about the previous day's activity and what's coming down the uh down down the the, the kind of train tracks that we want to make sure we keep an eye on. Um so uh, again, happy Father's Day to all the dads and granddads out there. I hope you have a, a real nice weekend and uh and, and enjoy yourself. And um I will see you next weekend. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. We gonna do what they say can't be done. We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm these kind of what no bandit run. Keep your foot hard on the pedal. Don't ever mind them break. Let it all Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. News Radio 930. WFMD Frederick. A connoisseur media radio station. 7 o'clock.